And one reason we come together is because we get to be with each other and we get to hear Melissa's testimony and, and it inspires me. It, it, uh, we also are in a place that somebody that doesn't have an agenda and doesn't have knowledge of your life can somehow, like a radio, tune in and say things that God wants to talk to you. I talked to a man this last uh, uh, this last fall, and uh, I told him, I said, God told me I'm the only one he could send to you to talk to you. There was, he couldn't receive from his parents. He couldn't receive from his brother. He couldn't. Re there was nobody that God could send because he's got employees, but none of them would, would dare. And when you come to church, God has liberty to change even not what's said so much, but what's heard. I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've had people come up to me after a service and say, that thing that you said, and they'll tell me what I said, and I promise you it wasn't on the tape. I promise you I did not say that the way they said I said that, but that's what they heard, and they go on to say, that's what, you know, God spoke to me, and I got this, and it changed that. He has that liberty to do that in a service and not have anybody that's like your mother just wagging her finger at you saying, you know, Johnny, you just got to fix it, and you got to change. There's none of that. We should not be preaching on sin in church. Sin is the job of the Holy Spirit. We all know what sin is. We all know when we miss it, and nobody can tell you you're missing it. It's all relative. Now, we know the main things like stealing and murdering, or, or, but, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to edify, exhort, and comfort. And this is, a, this is an opportunity to keep our lives online where God can intervene before there's trouble and keep us straight. It's better to... To keep your life straight than to try to fix it. Y'all know about praying from behind and trying to repent and get it fixed and all that? It's just a major interruption in your life. Whereas if you just get it straightened up before. So let's look here in Judges chapter 16. This is the story of Samson. And uh, uh, this is another reason that we come to church or sit under the word. Um, it says in verse 19... You know, uh, Samson was real strong, and uh, God had given him a lot of power, but nobody knew what his source of his power was. And he had this girlfriend. You all know about Delilah. In verse 19, it says, uh, uh, verse 18, Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up into her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Now here it is right there. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even know that God had left him. Now, that's what, what we call in the church world backslid. When you don't know that God has left you, and he doesn't leave us or forsake us, but that you, you begin to espouse a doctrine or have a 
thought pattern that says, well, it's not wrong to steal this, and it's not wrong to lie about that, and it's not wrong. You begin to delude yourself because you have no witness to come and say, stop that. Y'all ever been there? We all been there. I'll just answer it for you. We've all been there where we began to take contrary thoughts and the word of God keeps us straight. It keeps us on the toe and we, we stay, we are convicted of sin. We are, we are moved by Holy Ghost that says, let's not do that. Don't do that. I have a way. I have a answer. I have a plan for you. And we go that way and it keeps us from sin. The Bible says that Samson stood up and didn't even know that he had been changed. Is there a nursery, darling? Is there somebody? Okay, well, I just wanted to help you with that. So let's go to Acts chapter 7. Saying that, let's. Uh, somebody gave me a word this last week, and I was, because I was praying out something, and I had told him about this thing I was praying out, and when he was praying, uh, he found, he, this scripture came up, for me, and this morning I realized it was for all of us. It's in verse 23, Acts 7, 23. You might want to put a star around this little scripture. It's, I've never seen it before, didn't know it was in the B-I-B-L-E. I just saw it for the first time, literally, not really. We've all read Acts many times. It says in verse 23, and uh, uh, it's speaking about Moses. Uh, recounting that, and it says, And when he was full 40 years old, it came upon his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. The point being here, that when he was older, and 40 back then was pretty, pretty gone down there, it came into his heart. Now I want to remind y'all, just based on this, the Lord is not changing your future. He's not talking to you and my, me about our future with bad things. He's not telling us, I disapprove of this, and that's why you lost your job, and that's why I sent sickness, and that's why you, you, nothing's going right. That's not how it works. I, the Bible says in Romans 2, 4, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the goodness of God. We just get surrounded by the things of the Lord and the goodness and his, his long-suffering and the angels lifting us up with their hands lest we dash our foot against a stone, that no weapon that, has, that could be formed against us prospered. It's his goodness that he protects us, and finally, we just, we just come over to his side. It doesn't seem that we would do that because that's not the way we want to do uh, people. That's, we want to spank our kids. But even the Bible says that that's the goodness of God when you spank your children. Proverbs says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and when the and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. When we had Christian school, we'd bring the little offender in, little guys, and say, "Roy, foolishness is in your heart right now. It is because he knew what was coming. <laughs> it is, and we don't want that, do we? No, we don't want that. So, pastor's going to drive that out. You want that, don't you?" Yes. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have two licks here. They're going to hurt a little bit, but you're going to see that foolishness jump out. So two licks, and then I said, did, did it jump out? Yes. And sure enough, sure enough, they, uh, now this is, I'm off the subject, but they would be perfect for two weeks. Actually, Eric Scott, my youngest, was in that class, 
And he, he would just go under the radar. So sometimes you just had to trump up some little thing and make it a big thing, get the paddle to him, and then he was, he was good for six weeks or something. It's a good thing. Discipline is not punishment. It's discipline. Well, my point is here is the Lord is going to come into your heart with the plans he has. He's not steering us, guiding us, correcting us with bad things. If we just quit right now, that's worth saying because most of the church world does not know this. They do not know this. They do not believe this. And every good, bad thing that happens is some correction or some reason. And that's why we have those lies about God needs a rose for his garden. It's just crazy about what uh, religion comes up with. Well, I'm saying that even if, even if though I'm more than 40 now, it wouldn't matter. All of us are right now facing a change, a transformation. There's change coming, not because you're good or bad. It's because it's the time that we're in. Jesus is coming soon. This thing is drawing down. I mean, it may be 20 years. It may be 40 years. It might be we heard a prophecy, what was it, Wednesday week that talked about President Trump and his second term. It's like, what's that all about? Well, it sounds like six more years before the Lord's coming back. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that's what came up. The Lord's got plans, and there's change coming to us, and he's going to be coming. He's going to come into your heart, and uh, it came into his heart to, to do something. Let's act on what comes into our heart. Amen? So Mark chapter 4. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. It's going to come into your heart to change. Don't resist it. We have a scripture in Matthew 25 that says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee master over much. And we know the word faithful there means easily persuaded to believe. So let's point to ourselves and tell ourselves, Self, be easily persuaded to believe. That's so important. The Bible says in Genesis chapter uh, 18, verse 19, I think, that God chose Abraham because he said, I knew that he would command his children after him. And he's choosing you and me because we'll be easily persuaded to believe. We're going to look at Thomas here in a minute. Thomas could not be persuaded to believe. He said, unless I see and feel and touch and go and do, I'm not budging. You, met the, you ever met those people? This innkeeper, her husband, said something. We had no heat all night. And, he, and I said, well, maybe we should pray. What did he say, Deborah? Yeah, he said, no, no, no prayer. That won't do any good. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard somebody say praying will not do any good? It was an abundance of his heart. Uh, his mouth was speaking. It, lots of people believe that way, that prayer is a non-issue. We need to just go fix it. Call somebody. Well, they don't know your testimony. They don't know the time you laid hands on your washing machine or on your car and said, we hadn't got, we hadn't got time or money to fix this. In Jesus' name, dry these clothes. I've done it, and uh, that's the testimony of my life. Uh, the tes testimony where Colin, where he went, we took him to the doctor after he was playing touch football, broke his arm. They showed us the break on the film, said, come back Monday because it's too swollen. Come, we prayed our simple prayer, and Monday there was no break. 
and they x-rayed him and they x-rayed him and they x-rayed him. Finally, the doctor said, God, has, something has happened here that's beyond our understanding. Take the kid home. He's fine. Well, we have that testimony. We have that life. We have that, that, that position that God says, I can use that because you're easily persuaded to believe I can do something with that. I don't have to take six years and then find that in four years you're backed up and you've changed your mind and you're against God. It says, um, where were we? In chapter 4, verse 30, 30, verse 35. Here it is. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. We looked at this Wednesday and we saw that that word pass over is also interpreted in other places, this, this Greek word, the word pierce through. So there's obviously something here about this word and this connotation that's more than let's go down to the grocery store and pick up some supper. Let's just pass over a few streets and go down there to uh, Whataburger and, uh, and see if we can get waited on or whatever. It's not what this was. There was a pierce through which means, which means anytime the Lord tells you and I something to do, he's put something in your life. All of us have something going on right now in your life where the Lord has told you, given you an assignment. All of us have an assignment. I said, all of us have an assignment. You say, I don't know. It just means you don't know or you're, you're in denial. All of us have an assignment. He, he is the faithful steward over our lives and he's assigned you something. And it's ongoing. And when you get done with that, you're not done. You're not through. He's given you another assignment. Faithful over little, master over much. So when you become faithful over anything and finish it, he gives you another assignment so that he can make you master over the next level, the next stage. So promotion comes from being faithful over little. So uh, he's told them, let us pierce through to the other side. The other side, the implication to that word is, uh, is uh, to go to the farther side. So a lot of Christians, we won't, we won't talk about that so much, but they want, to, they want to compromise. They want to say, I'll give a little, Lord, take it or leave it. And I'll tell you, a lot of times he leaves it. You go, I'm offering some on this thing that you've assigned me to. He just goes, finds him another boy. Because it's not like he's testing us. The Lord doesn't test us. But he's got to get the kingdom done. He's got, when Jesus said, let's go be about the master's business, this is his business. He's got to get the kingdom. It's, it's real. The kingdom is real. There's a real devil. There's a real, there's a real resistance to the kingdom being advanced. And he's looking for people to do the kingdom. People that will hear and obey. If thou be willing and obedient, the word says, you'll eat the good of the land. Willing is kingdom business. Obedient is kingdom business. So it's not nonchalant. There's a great dearth of things in the church because we don't employ. We can't assign people. We can't say, Justin, I need you to go witness down at Walmart. (sighs) You can't assign people. You can just say, we should all be witnesses. Walmart's a place you could do that. And then as the Lord changes your heart and says, you know, I'm going to do that. The Lord's convicted me. Otherwise, we all just go to the house and watch TV, turn on Sports Center, and go to bed. 
So there's a there's there's a transaction try, endeavoring to happen in our hearts where the Lord is convicting us and we're deciding whether to let him have his way or not. So people that do well in the kingdom that uh, they've said yes to the Lord. I'm easily persuaded to believe. I heard that still small voice. I didn't have to see a scrawling on the wall or a lightning. He didn't have to threaten me. If you don't do it, I'm taking you home. Or I'm, I'm killing your kid. Or I'm taking... He, he doesn't do that. He just said, I need you to do this. And you hear it, you know it, and you jump out and do it. Or not. So he said, they, he said let's pierce through and go to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was others, also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm. Now, this is prophetic. This is, this is kingdom order here. Not God's kingdom, but it's the kingdom that's out there with the devil. Just like we stood against storms that are prophesied or predicted to come in tomorrow, we stopped them. And the Lord knew that. These storms could be stopped. But I, there's a scripture. Where is that scripture? That's uh, John 16, 33. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. And then he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Well, <laughs> I'm in him and he's in me. And if he's overcome, I've overcome. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. So he said, you're always going to have trouble. But... But take no thought. You're always going to be bigger than the trouble that comes because of what you've done. So they started out to go to the other side. It seemed to be not that important. Like, Lord, okay, we'll go this side. But the Lord knew the business that was supposed to happen the next day on the other side. Do you all know things are set up in the kingdom? It's not just us when we get ready. There's things that are in alignment that, that we have to be at certain places at certain times because he's already arranged the kingdom. Otherwise, when you pray to God and say, Lord, I need finances, and he set people up to bring you what you've asked for, you got to be there when they come. <laughs> Lord, I need to get healed. Well, I'm sending someone that can lay hands on you. No, Lord, you just zap me from heaven. You know he doesn't do that. That's not his way. All ministry comes through men. Now, there's angels and stuff like that that, that also work, and you can get that. But he prefers to minister through people. That thing that religion says is, Lord, if you want to heal me, you know where I'm at. That's not scriptural. Because he does know where we're at. But he wants faith to get it. Otherwise, if he was just based on need, he wouldn't be in America. Because we don't have the greatest need in health. There's babies dying in Africa and the Philippines, and they don't, America's medically, we're saturated medically. But it's not that, it's based on faith. The Amplified says, a furious storm of wind. Did I get to that? In the, I didn't get, yeah, a great storm. Oh, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. There, was, there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The Amplified says a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions. Just wait for the Amplified to be dramatic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
A furious storm of wind, of hurricane proportions. Sounds like the devil, doesn't it? Sounds like something unusual that's not every day, that's not just, oh yeah, that happens every Thursday. Oh yeah, we get that all the time. A furious storm of wind, of hurricane proportions arose, and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was already becoming filled. The passion says, suddenly, I just would surmise that if they hadn't been on the lake going to the other side, there wouldn't have been a storm on the lake that day. What do y'all think? That the reason the storm came was not a weather pattern in itself. It was a sign to stop them from going to the other side. Well, take them out of the boat and take them off the lake and put you and me in a regular situation where the Lord says, go to the other side or go do whatever. That's who we are. And the devil, or the, the devil, he brings a storm. Maybe it's not actually a hurricane force, then you don't have a boat, but he attempts to stop us. It is the Bible pattern. It will always be this way until the devil is, uh, uh, until we stop him or we leave this earth. There is no devil in heaven, praise God. So it says uh, in the, in the uh, Passion, suddenly as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious a tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. Serious business to, to have your boat full in the middle of the lake at night. It was steal, kill, and destroy is what the devil does. And that's what was going on here. But fortunately, they had the Lord Jesus himself in the boat, howbeit he was asleep. Perfect peace. And he stood up and did what they should have stood up and did. We don't need healing crusades to heal the sick. We don't need a man to come. Now, he does that. He did it with uh, William Branham. He did it with Brother Hagen. He did it with uh, uh, several people. He introduced healing. The Lord did in healing revivals where a man or a woman, uh, Amy Simple McPherson, um, who's the other the woman that? Uh, Catherine Kuhlman, thank you, where God did use it as a demonstration. but And he still does that, of course, but not everybody can get it that way. We got to be able to wait, not wait to have a, uh, a healing wait on the evangelist to come and come to our church and shandai everybody and we all get healed and go home because what happens next weekend well he's he's already over and he's in duluth or he's in tampa we got to learn how to minister and that's what jesus did here he got up let's read it it says uh he arose verse 39 and rebuked the wind and said into the sea peace be still i want y'all to notice how long this prayer was this, this command, peace be still. He rebuked the wind, whatever that was, those words, and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, our whole life right here depends on us believing that what he did, we can do. And what he did, we should do. Amen. So that's why we have to be that people that not like Samson, that, that doesn't know we're backslide. We have to be attentive to the word. Iron sharpens iron. The word will sharpen you and make you where you're razor sharp 
And you can, like Jesus did here, you can cut that weapon off. Now, he got up and he, uh, uh, let's see, verse 40. Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? So back to the scripture in Matthew. Faithful over little. We exercise our faith over little things where, where we can, and we become masters over greater faith. Things that we couldn't imagine we could have done, but now we can. All of us in this room and more, we're mature in a lot of areas. But to go further, we have to keep on operating at the level we are until we hone that out and our faith are masters over much. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would. Let's understand this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's understand this. That we do not fight for victory. We do not fight for victory. The victory's already been won. I said the victory's already been won. Is the devil defeated or is he fully, is he, does he have power over you? No, he's fully defeated, isn't he? The Bible says he is, that Jesus defeated him and made a show of him openly. So we're not fighting for the victory. The devil is defeated. But what we're contending for is receiving it in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the cancer, in the midst of the, the lack of money. We, we see that, and it contradicts the word. It contradicts the victory that Jesus tells us that he won. So in verse 17 of chapter 4... Paul said, our light affliction. <laughs> the Bible calls, us, calls our troubles light affliction. You know, this is the man that said, I was beat with rods thrice. I was lost in the deep two days and a night. I was stoned and left for dead. He says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I know it seems like a long time but we could end it faster. Y'all want to end it? I want to end it. I want to end it for other people. I want to end it. When you have someone that's been suffering with a debilitating or a terminal disease for years, and the pain is all but unbearable, and certainly less than that, but even that, I want to end it. Like, like Mr. that lives next to mom, Jerry, I want to end that. He's got an affliction. I want to end that. I, there's something in us all that have been with Jesus that wants to end that for someone that doesn't have a clue, doesn't know how. We've got, I don't, we've prayed for him. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that, why, why the wind didn't cease and, the, and the, the, winds, the waves didn't come in. But we've got to figure it out. We cannot say, well, it must be God's trying to teach Jerry something. That's, not, that's, that's bad doctrine. But that's how that doctrine stopped, started. Because, well, Jerry didn't ever hurt anybody. He's a veteran. He served our country. He's a good man. He's a solid man. He, he, he never hurt anybody. And so, and so it must be God's will for him to have this. Pants are on fire right there. It says, but our light affliction, affliction meaning pressure, adversity, uh, trouble that we're facing, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That means that when you win, 
you you step into that victory at that level and you're able to take on an affliction at a greater level. Victory begats victory, doesn't it? Every time you win, you feel better about winning again. And that's what the word says. The devil sends the trouble. You win at that trouble. You are elevated. You are master over much at a different level. And that's what we have to do. So what, what we're all facing right now, it's March 17th or 18th. And so we may have not made res resolutions at the beginning of the year, but a new year makes us want to think about, well, let's have a better 18 than we had 17. I know I did. I said, I'm going to lose 400 pounds. <laughs> and I'll deal with the rest of it later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that does come up, things like that. And so by March, you're like, ah, it's not that bad. We can handle it. It's, yeah, it, it's probably good, you know. I, uh, no, we got to go to the other side. Point yourself with me and say, go to the other side. There's another side for all of us. There's an assignment on your life, and it's tempting to procrastinate. It's tempting to say, someday, some way. And that's kind of a thing that says, if the Lord wants me to, he'll give me an urgent call. He'll impress me that this is, this is important. Otherwise, I'm going to let it ride. And there's no let it ride in the Lord. Easily persuaded to believe means I'm going to the other side right now. It's an impassioned people say, we heard the call and we're going to the other side. It came into our heart and we're going to the other side. Now, it says in, did we read this? Yeah. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Why? Because for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And the word there means if we don't give up. If we don't procrastinate. So I'm putting on the other side for my life. I'm asking you to join with me because I don't know what's you, what the other side is to you. But there's another side in everybody's life here this morning. Everybody has instructions. And every instruction demands. Every one of us has a command. And every command has an instruction. You've got to find the instruction. I, I came up with this. I wrote this down. The other side is a place that cannot be reached without power. The other side, that would be whatever's in your life. If you want to get a new car, if you want to move to a different house, if you want a different job, you've got to pierce through. There's a piercing through. There's not just a moving over like the world tries to. There's a piercing through. There is an obstacle. There is a, what, what does it say there? <coughs> Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose. There's a, there's a piercing through that uh, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That thing that looks like this is, this is curtains, this is the end of us, and Jesus just got up and said, peace be still. Could they have all done that? They could have. Or he, or he wouldn't have been righteous to tell them, where is your faith? So when Pam brought up this morning in prayer that they had forecast a bad weather tomorrow, we had to lay hold of it. And you do too. And when they're saying they're going to cut back at your job, unless you want a different job and you know you're leaving, but otherwise you have to stand against that and says, all may go, but I will stay. I will be the last man, the last woman standing here or whatever. You have to be proactive 
to go to the other side because the word says there's a piercing through. Not a passive leaning, but a piercing through. Are y'all getting this? A piercing through. A stand up in the boat and say, no. That's got to come. It's got to be there. It can't be, well, if the Lord wants me to go through, or he knows my situation, or you can't be passive. It's got to be where you pierce through. You, you put a pressure on the situation with the word of God. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, our light affliction, light afflictions turn into big afflictions if you don't pierce through and knock them back. I've had that happen in my body a lot of times. They're like, ah, ah, that's okay. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with something that's demanding your life a lot. I want us to go to Romans chapter 8. Now I'm going to, let's see if I can wind this thing down. Oh, oh, I got to go there. Oh, I got to go there. Oh, I got to go there. <laughs> Isn't it great to have notes? <laughs> This is when you think you're winding down the yard. Oh, let's see. Where can we go? Let, let's go there. And, I'll, and I will quit with that because Second Kings, and we will quit here, sort of. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 5. Now, this is Old Testament, and we don't get our life from the Old Testament. But there are principles that show up in the Old. Let's look in verse 13. We were talking yesterday about a principle that's in the Word that's, that's close to here, where, uh, where, where David lost all of his family to uh, some raiders while they were out uh, in a battle. And so he went after his family, after his wives and children. And when they were successful, they came back, and the, the older people that, that didn't get taken had stayed by the stuff. And, and so the warriors said, well, all this spoil is ours. We went out and got it. We, we paid the brunt of the battle. All this stuff goes into our families, and you old people, you don't get anything because you didn't go out. And, and David said, they that stay by the stuff get just as much as they that went out. Well, sometimes you and I, we, we, we didn't go out and do it, but we were a stay-by-the-stuff people. The prayers get just as much as the people that actually go out and do the battle. Come on, y'all, praying. You never get too old to pray. Well, I can't, I can't go do street witnessing. I can't go to Peru. I can't go to Russia. Well, honey, you need to sit down and pray because they that stay by the stuff get as much as they that go. You know Joe Morris, he says, if you can't go, send Joe. <laughs> stay by the stuff. Hallelujah. Well, this scripture in 2 Kings is like that. It's in chapter 5, verse uh, 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father... Oh, let's back up here just a minute. This is the story of Naaman. Let's go to verse 11. Verse 10. Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. He was a leper. But Naaman was wroth and went away, and here's what he said. Behold, I thought... He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He wanted drama. He wanted liturgy. He wanted some, some stuff to go on. Not just a peace be still. We need to pray a long prayer. And we need to know what the spirits are behind this storm. And we need to investigate this region and see what the strongholds are. Jesus didn't do any of that. He just said, stop it. And it did. I have found the shorter the prayer, 
the more powerful the faith behind the prayer. And then it's, it, where are we? Verse, uh, and he said, are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? See, he didn't factor in faith. He was factoring in a liturgical drama. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, I've prayed for these people before. I have. I've prayed for these people. That's all? That's all? Where's the anointing oil? Where, where's the, the special cloth? Where, is that all? Yeah, that's it. It worked. It, you're finished. It's done. Well, I need counseling, and I need, we need to drive some devils out. We need a little deliverance here. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid the deed to do something great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? And went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh became like unto the flesh of the little child, and he was clean. Do you all remember those stories about Smith Wigglesworth, about the baby that he kicked up against the wall? I mean, even these many years later, that story still goes everywhere about uh, uh, of knowing Smith said, leave me alone, I know my business. We all should know our business. So that's why we got to go to the other side. If you never go to the other side, you don't know your business because you learn a lot. These servants taught this, this mighty general, taught him a lot about if he'd said climb every mountain and swim every sea, would you not? Sure I would. Well, why don't you just go down and take a little dip seven times and be done? We all could learn a lesson. I know I can about You've got to obey what he says and quit looking for something that isn't. The power is in the faith, not in the doing. The doing is just the vehicle that allows you to release your faith. It's not that. So you can go into a grocery store or go into a parts store and find someone that's on a cane or whatever, and if the Lord quickens you at all, you can raise them up. And not have to say, well, come to our service and let Brother Doodly Doo is going to be here. Or our pastor can do this. And I've seen him this. And No, just go over there and just wash him seven times. Just go to the other side. Just say, peace be still. I'm, what I'm saying this morning is that there's another side for all of us. And it's simple to get there. But you, may have to peer, you will have to pierce through the lie, the facade, the, the false evidence appearing real. You will have to stand. I'm saying that I believe 2018, there's things that need to be wiped out of your life, my life, that I need to deal with them now and, tell, and stop it so I can move on to what God has for 2018. There's some mighty stuff. Like, where is it? When are we going to get to the good stuff? When we pierce through what's holding us in the middle of the lake, we will have it. I th- believe that our dream our breakthrough dream of paying off your house, of getting your stuff back like David did, all the stuff that's the dream in your heart of like, why are we still messing with this again this year? It's on the other side. And there has to be a piercing through of some kind. Only you would know that. You'd have to go like that scripture in Acts and you'd have to say, I had something come into my heart and act on it. Act on it. When he told us to move to Alabama, there was no reason to move to Alabama. 
had a good church, had all my family there. Maybe that was the reason right there, right? All of our family was there. There was no reason. But my whole life changed when I moved to Alabama. It's just amazing. And yet I've not even done what he moved me here for. I've never even got into that yet. Brother Hagen told some people uh, that were older, seasoned ministers. He would pro prophesy to them, and he told some one time, you haven't even gotten to the first phase of your ministry. So it's not like we think. We judge ourselves against other people or other spiritual people and think, well, I'm ahead of them, therefore. And there is no therefore. You have to judge yourself based on what's in your heart, what you're called to do. It gets you up every day and says, I must keep going because I hadn't arrived yet. I hadn't got it. So, Father, we thank you this morning that you're putting things in our heart. You've already put things in our heart. But now you're activating new things in our heart, even at age 40, like Moses or more. You are going to talk to us again. I ask you, Lord, to talk to us again about the agenda that is assigned to each one of us. The assignment of getting to the other side. It won't be the last lake we cross. It won't be the last storm and gale and, and sea that we face. But Lord, that victory that comes by us getting to this other side will make it easy, light affliction, to go to the other side regularly for the kingdom. I ask you for promotion for River Church. Like you said, this is a turning point in 18, a turning point for this church both corporately and for each one here. Lord, we ask you for that turning point to be ignited as we rise up in the boat and pierce through the storm, the storms of our life, the hindrances, the limitations, the boundaries, the borders, the roadblocks, the, the stumbling things. Lord, everything, every excuse, every reason, every procrastination that we've allowed to solidify in our lives. We say no more. I'm going to the other side now. I ask you for strength to do it. I ask you for courage to do it. Boldness. Lord, change us, I pray, with your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody going to the other side with me? Hallelujah. We're going to the other side, y'all. We ought to go to the other side and see what's on the other side. <laughs> There's something on the other side. And you'd hate to go to heaven and say, Woohoo, I made it to heaven. Yeah, you made it to heaven, but you never got to the other side. Thomas never went to the other side. The rich young ruler never went to the other side. Never went, never saw the other side, never did anything great for God, even though they were right there in person with the Lord Jesus himself, and he was giving both of them instructions and telling them, here's what you should do. And they both failed. They were both saddened because they didn't want, they couldn't pierce through. I'm not Thomas, and I'm not rich young ruler. I'm going to the other side. Bless God, I'm going to the other side. If I have to swim. <laughs> I, I, those 11 boys, there were some good ones in the boat, but Peter went to the other side. And it was good from then on. I tell you, Peter's, Peter and John are the two boys in heaven that, you know, there was, that, there was those circles. There was John, then there was Peter, James, and John, and then there was the other nine, and then there was the 70, and then there was the multitudes. So you can be in any circle with the Lord that you want to based on going to the other side. Everybody that got closer had to pay a price. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Let's have a great 2018. I am so excited about it. Hallelujah. Well, now what do y'all want to do? Y'all want to run around the building or run around in the building? What do y'all want to do this morning? <laughs> Anybody need to be raised from the dead that you know of? We'll send the word. Hallelujah. Amen. What's going on, Justin? What do you need? What's the other side for you this morning? You, you know, you can't say yet? How about you, Miss Madison? Anything going on? We can jump in with you. I mean, we got to get to the other side. Sometimes it takes help. It, it, it does take help. Anything we can do to help. Let me read you a scripture here. Y'all are just sitting there. Nobody got a... Don't... <laughs> well, I'm just going to... I just got this one thing here. You ought to have a star around this one if you don't. This is, this is Old Testament, but it says... Uh, verse 19 of Psalm 89 says, uh, verse 18, For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our king. Then thou spakest in vision to the Holy One, and sayest, listen to this, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. Now he's talking about David there. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. Now I tell the Lord, do what you want. Do have what you, what you want. But I've told him that I am one that is mighty. Not based on me, but based on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Based on, I've said yes to him many times. I've said no a few times. I've said I'm not now a few times, but I've said yes a bunch of times. And it says that he will lay help on one that is mighty. So who's mighty in the room? I'm mighty in the room. I'm mighty here. I, Lord, I need help. I'm not one that says I can do this. And it goes down there and it says, uh, uh, <laughs> verse 21, with whom my hand, speaking of David, shall be established, mine arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. God's going to take care of us. We, step, we stand up in the boat and pierce through. He will, oh, I like this, I will beat down his foes before his face. Come on, God, beat down his foes. Lay help on him that is mighty. I need help. Y'all need help? I need help. I need, I need, I'm not poor pitiful me, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so we've got each other. We ought to, we ought to get with somebody. Somebody's in say, agree with me. Find somebody. To agree with you. Husbands and wives, you ought to agree with one another. If you don't have one of those, then call me and I'll get in and agree with you. Or whatever. Whatever. Find somebody. Uh, of course, I've got Deborah, and, but I've got a dear friend, uh, Pastor West and Pastor Avery. And I get them to agree with me. And I'm telling you, when I do, things change. Things happen. And I like it. I like it. I've been without help and I've been with help. Help is better. Amen. 